You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Baltimore Ravens have lost four straight. Jace is getting into fights online with Mike Florio. Our pets' heads are falling off. Welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. Yes, it's been that kind of week uh, in Baltimore, in in the world of, of Pod Like a Raven. I'm Antonio Barbera. We have some things to talk about. Some are football-related X's and O's. Some are uh, are juicy Twitter goss that, that hopefully Jace can, can shine some light on. And then we try to look ahead uh, and see what the heck is going on in the NFL with the Ravens and the playoff picture and what any of this means uh, anymore. But before we get into that, I'm going to introduce my two co-hosts. Starting first on the East Coast, Tim Horsey. Tim, how are you? Oh, that's such a loaded question nowadays. I'm fine. You know, the Christmas holiday was good. Got to see some family. Um, I, for whatever reason, my parents got me a Pat Ricard jersey, which I'm super happy about. It's probably the best part of this entire uh, podcast was that thing I mentioned right there. And then the rest is going to be downhill from here. Uh, So I'm doing well, despite the Ravens season crumbling in the palm of our hands. That's right. I should have maybe just led with uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to the listeners. Merry Christmas to, to those of you who, uh, who celebrate that. I know the we're not, we're us. not in the mood, Antonio. That's the reason the, I get the three. It. You missed it. I, I understand. <laughs> the three of us uh, certainly celebrate it. Love the Pat Ricard move by, uh, by Tim's family. Jace on the West coast. Any, uh, any nice gifts for you this, uh, this less than festive holiday season. Well, Baker Mayfield gifted us with the gift of four interceptions, so that was that was lovely. We'll get more into that uh, later in the show, I'm sure. Uh, that'll be the high point of the show, as Tim mentioned, uh, as we talk about what the Ravens have been up to, which has been not great. But it wasn't all bad this weekend. I'll say that. No, I've, 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 been, I've been good, Antonio. It. I I begrudgingly, I think, am coming around to Tim's viewpoint uh, from prior shows that the season From like a month ago? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Welcome, guys. Welcome. I I finally jumped on that moving train. Um, But to to get blown out in historic fashion 
by the Cincinnati Bengals. And we'll say I'm doing very well, uh, all things considered. Um, yeah, uh, it stinks, but we're going to get into it. One of those things, what can you do at a certain level? You just got to laugh. I just want to say quickly, I love, Jace, the comment about the Baker Mayfield interceptions on Christmas. For the listeners, Jace has brought this up maybe five times in the past two, to, two three days. So this truly was one of the best Christmas presents that Jace could have received, as evidenced by how many times he wanted to talk about how happy it made him. Uh, yeah, but but in less good news, in less happy news, uh, not sure if, if anybody noticed, but the Ravens practice squad uh, lost an, like an intra-squad game with the Bengals starters, 41 21 in Cincinnati a lot of points scored by the Bengals even more egregiously a lot of yards gained by the Bengals and we're gonna have to we're gonna talk about it a little bit and and then we're gonna look at the rest of the league the playoff situation and look ahead to uh to next week's Rams game if there are still any active Ravens athletes uh to play in that game so as we get into the Cincinnati game I'm gonna say one thing I'm gonna caveat this at the top and I'm going to try to do it quickly to not bore the listeners, but I'm just going to go through a quick list of Ravens players who were no longer active by, let's say, halftime of this Bengals game. These are Ravens players who were not active by halftime of the Bengals game. Lamar Jackson, Tyler Huntley, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, Patrick Ricard, Devin DuVernay, Ronnie Stanley, Ben Powers, Tyree Phillips, Justin Metabuke, Derek Wolfe, Justin Houston, Pernell McPhee, L.J. Fort, Chris Board, Marlon Humphrey, Jimmy Smith, Amon Marshall, Marcus Peters, Anthony Averett, Chris Restry, Tavon Young, Ardarius Washington, Khalil Dorsey, Deshaun Elliott, and Geno Stone. So having said that, <laughs> having listed that, and it took me two breaths. I tried to do it in one breath. Couldn't do it. Too many guys. I want to frame this game into what it was. What, what expectations could possibly have been going into this game, the exit interview of this game, and that a win was almost not possible. Uh, respectability was going to be difficult, and the Ravens struggled with both of those things. So I, I turn to my co-host, just before we get into X's and O's, specific players, this game is starting... Uh, on Sunday with those list of players already out, most of them, except for a couple of names who got hurt mid-game. I mean, what do you... Do do you still view this as a chance for the Ravens? Is this still... Oh, it's a must-win game for the Ravens, or is it just like, okay, time to crack the Coors Light, uh, time to invite friends to hang out and talk to them, as opposed to pay attention to this game? Or were you still sort of focused and and plugged in and, and trying to see if the Ravens could have yet another miracle finish? Well, Antonio, as you know, I'm a masochist, so it was very much paying attention to the Ravens game and and watching uh, every play, as it were. Um, I I will admit, and I've obviously gone back and watched since, about midway through the fourth quarter, I did leave to go run some adult errands because I was just like, you know what, it is. I am. This is over. I'm done with this, <laughs> and it's probably the most apathetic I've been. After that first drive, you look, you're like, all right, these are all scripted plays. They're, they're going to adjust to this. But that was nice to see from Josh Johnson. Maybe this team's going to have a little bit of life. As soon as the game got away from them, yeah, the, the injuries, you kind of look at it and just go, you know, they're, all right. They're, they're just, this, at some point, this is too much to overcome. We talk about earlier in the year, it's, it's all these lucky wins, and it's, it's the comeback against the Colts. It's the, it's the record-breaking field goal. This team has grit and fight, and look how great. But at some point, 
no matter how well coached they are, no matter how how close they keep things a lot of the time, it, this was just another the, the many straws that broke the camel's back, snapped it in half, and you had to shoot the damn thing dead. Like it's just there's there's nothing else that you could do. And so I yeah I I was pretty apathetic. I do just want to say because we're gonna get there. And we don't, we're not going to couch every conversation we have about this game with the injuries. Antonio laid it out at the top. You know it. We know it. Take it as, as you will. Congrats to Joe Burrow for doing what he did. We'll talk about that side of the ball in a second. But by God, the Bengals and the Bengals fans are loving this. Tyler Boyd, there's an Instagram video of Tyler Boyd like laughing at the buses from his hotel room as, as Baltimore's leaving Cincinnati. Like, guys, I know you've been terrible. I know you have been the crap stain on the underpants of the NFL for a very long time. I know you still don't have an indoor practice facility because your owner's that cheap. We all know these things. Maybe settle down just a little bit. You beat guys off the street. Like, and that's fine. If you want to celebrate, great. But in here, Baltimore, we have different expectations for our team. We wouldn't celebrate beating your practice squad. We didn't celebrate beating Ryan Finley last year. We haven't celebrated beating, uh, you know, the ghost of Andy Dalton before he came back to haunt us all those times. So that part I find hilarious. But, yeah, as the game kicked off and, you know, a little bit of fight there, but then as soon as it got away, yeah, it, it was mainly, admittedly, apathy. Yeah, if you're the Bengals, I feel like save a little bit of the excitement for when you, like, win your first playoff game in our lifetime, something they haven't done, win a single playoff game. And we're, all turning, and we're all, like, almost 30, turning 31. Like, this is how bad it's been for that team. It's, it's, it's been bad. So, yeah, I completely agree with you there, Tim. Uh, similar to what he said, Antonio, uh, I am also a masochist, so I, I was locked in every second of this game. I watched the entire thing, snap to snap. Um uh, I, um, I watched every second. I watched it alone. I was very glued into what was going Hello, on. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Um, but yeah, I entered with very low expectations. I will say parts of this game went, uh, worse than I expected, to be quite honest. Um, you know, such as Joe Burrow setting a franchise record for passing yards. I was hoping that wouldn't, you know, happen, but it did. Um, but yeah, aside from like some of those things, uh, this game kind of went how how I sort of expected it to, just with the attrition's I think caught up, and even post game, you know, John Harbaugh, Mister Optimist, this was like the most as down as you'll see John Harbaugh. This is what he said. He said, "I thought our guys fought hard and did the best they could under the circumstances, and that's what you ask for. That's all you can ask for." Outcomes are meaningful, they matter, but it's not a game, a one-game season. It's not a one-game career. So we'll keep fighting. We've got two more games left here in the regular season to see if we can do something meaningful this year. We'll get a bunch of guys, a bunch of guys helping to see what we can do. That is not the optimist I think we normally see um, from John Harbaugh. So uh, seeing those quotes were a little eye-opening to me, at least post-game. It's like, oh, man, this uh kind of has gone off the rails here uh this, this week i think was the week it all fell apart fully after they were kind of you know teetering with these wild last second near comebacks uh but today there was no comeback or uh sunday there was no comeback at all you know fell apart and it's gonna be tough we'll get into it the ravens um incredibly lost the game lost sunday in horrible fashion and actually moved up in the playoff standings thanks to what the nfl is this year <laughs> but um uh, yeah, it's going to be tough, and this game was definitely a tough watch uh, from start to finish. And it almost would have been better had Cincinnati just scored the first 
17, 20 points, and then we could have, I don't know, assumed the position like earlier in this game than, than in the second half in the fourth quarter. Because, I'll start. Well, I do want to say this. The first play of the game for the Bengals offensively, uh, Joe Burrow drops back, has immediate pressure from Broderick Washington right up the middle. It's a 300-pound man running directly at a quarterback, and somehow a sack doesn't happen. He, like, hits him, <laughs> bear hugs him, and just falls over, and Burrow rolls out and finds an open receiver for 10 yards and a first down. And it was just sort of like a, oh, oh, no, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> if the pressure's not going to work, the coverage certainly isn't going to be there. And that was just such a perfect first play of the game. But the Ravens do respond. With, as Tim mentioned, the first drive, offensive drive, a first offensive drive touchdown for this team. That hadn't happened in months. So it was just a beautiful 7-3 to start. Just when I was out, they pulled me back in, and now I have to care, and now I have to think that Josh Johnson is accurate and has poise and can hit re- receivers in stride. And <laughs> And then that never really happened for for the rest of the game. We had the return of 35-year-old journeyman Josh Josh Johnson. But I want to start with him. And we can do as much as you want, guys, of this, because obviously there's not as much of a need to do serious X's and O's of of different players here. But given his the position he was put in, basically signed this late, has been on other teams this season... Uh, gets the start, ends up 28 for 40, 304 passing yards, two touchdowns, and one of the worst, just the classic veteran late-game interception that you'll ever see. But I, I kind of was mildly impressed with him overall, given what this situation was, given who he is, uh, and giving the Ravens a fighting chance, you know, in theory, into the fourth quarter of this game. I was very impressed with him, I think, for similar reasons, Antonio. I, I, I thought, like, he, he, he was... Um you know, given the circumstances, did as good a job as you can. But I think that was part of why I was just so negative entering this game, uh, more so than what, uh, you know, unraveled on defense. We'll get more into that in a second. But uh, just with with him, it's like when Lamar's out um, and you you think you're going with Tyler Huntley, there's still value there. Huntley's a young player. You're excited to see how he can develop, how he can grow. There's nothing to learn when Josh Johnson's in the game. Like, you can just applaud his effort and say he gave like he gave the team uh, his best, and I, they did move the ball well at times. And like uh, Josh Johnson's not the reason the Ravens lost lost on Sunday by any means, but like there's just nothing long term to, to 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 take out of it when Josh Johnson's under center. Like at least if Huntley was there, even if he struggled, you can say, "Oh, we we for sure have our backup now," or or maybe we can even turn Tyler Huntley into another draft pick or something down the line, but. Yeah, uh, entering the game when jo- you, you know Josh Johnson getting the start. There's, there's just it's hard to just get excited because there's nothing, there's nothing like to even look forward to. Even though, as we said, we are still as a team fighting for a playoff spot. Um, it's still like I think we all, at least on this podcast, have at least one eye on the future, and Josh Johnson ain't it. And so, not getting to watch Huntley in this game was, I think, disappointing for me. And that's why, even though he was well, uh, played well. I, it's hard to get too excited one way or the other over what he did. Yeah, I mean, you say one eye. I put my one eye in. I put my other eye in. I put my entire body into <laughs> the future of this team and not this current season. Like, I'm not trying to be super pessimistic, but 
This is it's like it's like the uh, the line from Dodgeball from Vince Vaughn's character in the seminal movie Dodgeball. If you don't have any dreams, you can't be disappointed. Like just this season, guys, <laughs> just don't don't do that. People are going. Well, they're still in the playoffs as of as of recording until um, Tua and the Dolphins beat Ian Book and the New Orleans Saints, and then I believe we're out of the playoff picture. So as as you're listening to this on Tuesday morning, that's probably already happened or. Just because I'm so bad at gambling, maybe that didn't happen, and I just cursed to a Tonga Bailoa. Let's hope so, for the Ravens' sake. But I think, yeah, you need to start looking in a 2022 perspective with this team. And 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 it, it sucks to say, and we're all going to miss football when it's gone. I'm still going to the game against the Rams this weekend, and Cooper <laughs> Cup is going to have about yeah. By Jace's reaction, you can tell Sorry. I'm going to enjoy myself. Cooper Cup is going to have 700 yards receiving, but you know it's. It, it's still Ravens football, which is nice to see. I'm, I'm always going to love watching this team, even if they want to make me, you know, rip all of my hair out. But, yeah, I, I think Jace nails it. You don't gain anything. The Josh Johnson story, it's super cool. Like, yo, can you name all the teams he played for? Did you know he hasn't played since 2018? Here's this XFL team. Like, all of that is great, and I'm glad he maybe got another opportunity, and maybe this is a, for him, an emergency sport backup situation for somebody else in the future. And, and hopefully if he wants to extend his career, he does. Um, the only other thing I really have to say about the offense, cause we got to get to the defense here is uh, Mark Andrews continues to ball. Um, this narrative being pushed by some reporters who are either employed or formerly, formerly employed by the team that still call themselves reporters saying that he's the best tight end in the league. Stop it. He's not, but he is up there, as we said. You know, you could just regurgitate what we said last week on Pod Like a Raven. He is in that group now. Um, he is he is def- definitively in that group and just making some incredible plays, being a security blanket and a guy that's going to be incredibly important. And most importantly, I think, is only getting better, it seems, as he's entering sort of his prime. So it, it as much as we've loved what we've seen from Mark Andrews this year, it almost seems like we're, we're climbing up the ladder rather than plateauing, which is great to see. Jeff Zarebic had a nice stat where uh, Andrews has already played like 275 more snaps than he has prior yeah, in his great. career. And he's playing his best football this season late in the year when they need him, when they're down to Josh Johnson at quarterback. So yeah, it's great to see. And I'm glad uh, the Ravens locked him up when he did or when they did, because he probably would be, you know, more expensive if they hadn't extended him uh, in the midst of this season when he really took off here. So yeah, he's, he's been great. He's 15 yards away from setting the Ravens uh, single season receiving yards <laughs> record. Not um, impressive. Not impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a great list of guys on there, but uh but yeah, still it's his his season has been incredible and I believe he yeah, he was one of the guys voted to the Pro Bowl. I don't know if we that had been released when we last had a show or not, but uh, yeah, it's nice to see him get uh, recognized for that. Hit Nobody's gonna coming. besmirch Derek Mason on my watch, uh, so. <laughs> but no, it is an awesome, an awesome game, an awesome season uh, by Andrews. He's likely gonna finish with over a hundred catches, maybe thirteen hundred receiving yards, ten touchdowns. Uh, it's just been a phenomenal year from him, and in a game where it was, if we're gonna have a chance. He, you have to be the guy. This is like a you-have-to-carry-the-offense game, and he did. Eight catches, 125 yards, and a score. James Prochet taking advantage of, of an opportunity. Uh, boy, remember, it seems like uh, so many years ago, but it was just this offseason when we were oh talking God. about James Prochet catching, like, 
15,000 balls a day in practice and how this was going to be his, uh, his stop hyping season. people up in training camp guys i completely <laughs> forgot about that Re- remember the james prochet narrative stop it stop it stop it stop it he just needed his moment oh, he has uh, he has 16 catches on the season but seven of which came in this game with Devin Duvernay out. He had seven catches for 76 yards. Don't worry, he's been I'm lighting up practice, are, guys. Yeah, it's been sweet. I'm going to assume those are both career highs for, for James Prochet. So, <laughs> yeah, a, a, a strong game from him as well. Uh, and that's about it in terms of positives. Uh, Jason, I, I, we can turn defensively, but I know you have uh, some, some other good news to talk about, and it relates to Rashad Bateman in this game. Well, so Rashad Bateman, he does get his first NFL touchdown, which was great. He uh, he was money on the first drive. Coincidentally, the first, as you mentioned, first opening drive touchdown we've had in months since October 17th. He catches four balls on this drive, and then he finishes the game with four catches on five targets. Uh, <laughs> and he played 81% of the snaps. I don't know what happened. They clearly had a lot scripted for Rashad Bateman early and then never threw him the ball again basically the old confusing uh, the old listen we're gonna we want to get you involved so we're gonna put you into these first plays early and then completely forget to to work on this for the rest of the yeah now now that we're off script it's it's right back to Mark Andrews no yeah so that was just confused by that but as you said it is good to see Bateman get his first touchdown he may or may not have gotten robbed a few weeks ago uh, against the Browns of a TD so um, to get on the board, I, I, I feel like he's been impressive. I, him not getting the ball more has consistently confused me more than... It's on the short list of confusing things about this offense this season, I'll say that. But, uh, yeah, it was nice to see him at least get in the end zone and get rewarded. But, yeah, as you said, that that's about it for the positives. <laughs> uh, we'll turn defensively now. Um, not a lot of positives here, Antonio. <laughs> it, was, it was already going to be a long day at the start. And then within three plays, Clayus Campbell is hobbling. Then within like 12 plays, Averitt's definitely broken a rib and he's carted off the field. I think the official uh, diagnosis is cracked ribs, which I don't actually know if there's a medical difference between cracked and broken, but that looked like it hurt. And so he was then out for a large stretch of this game. And so then it just got worse and worse and worse. Um... I'm going to read off the Bengals' possessions in this game because they never punted, um, and they had no turnovers. So they went (laughs) field goal, touchdown, 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 field goal, touchdown, missed field goal, game, end of game, game over on their last possession. They ran 70 plays, and they had 33 first downs. So to give you just a sense of... (laughs) how the ball was moving when the Bengals had the ball. They had 70 plays, and nearly half of them went for first downs. So that was just how things went here. Oh, gosh, Tim, I love that we you, you mentioned this at the top, that it's just it's so very Bengals about how excited they are about this performance based on what the various matchups were. So I'm going to try to – I'm going to take a poll here from, from you guys. Not a poll, but an opinion from you guys. On a sliding scale, let's say, of 0 to 10, with what was the reason for the success? If 0 is the Ravens' defensive players and 10 is the Bengals' offensive players, where would you put the sliding scale of how this performance was? I mean, look, I want to... I want to sit here with purple tinted glasses and give you something below five, but these are still NFL players. Like, they are. And and 
you still have to go and it's it's the old tired you know get off my lawn old man narrative but you do still have to go out and beat the guys that are in front of you and if this was the same way we'd still be well credit to Lamar Jackson I know that was a beleaguered team that they were playing but he really was lighting them up and throwing it to different weapons so I'm gonna go at least like seven and I that might be a little bit high but for me it's embarrassingly bad how bad those guys are. And, it, you know, at, at some point, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, Kevon Seymour should never see an NFL field again. And hopefully some of these guys are going to come back with, I think, off the COVID list. I think Jeff Sarivak on tweet, uh, on Monday excuse me, tweeted that some of these corners, defensive backs, and guys are going to come back because he was getting peppered by fans about, why don't they sign Bashad Breeland? Give me somebody else. We need more backups. Um, because the simple fact of the matter is the guys in there aren't good enough. That being said... It's 500 yards passing or whatever it was. And it's, or 445. I, I, I don't even care to look oh, at it. Oh, it was five. It was 525. <laughs> Excuse me. 525. I'm looking after the sacks where it's a meager yeah. 498. His... Yeah. The oh, net okay. yards with the sacks. Yeah. No, 525 yards. It's breaking all these records, as Jace will mention. That's still incredibly impressive. I don't care who you're playing. Um, I mean, honestly. The whole performance just had me like, you know, I'm dreaming of Ed Reed and missing the Marlin, Humphrey and the guys in the back, Chris McAllister, what have you. Hell, I'd take Gary Baxter at this point. Corey Ivey would be sweet. Remember Chris Carr? That guy would be great right now because what they have there is a sham. It's a high school football team. But all of that being said, you still got to go out there and beat the guys in front of you and to beat their brakes off. Over 500 yards, I think, is is mighty impressive. Tim dreaming of the Bernard Pollard he used to know. Um, oh, I take Bernard I, Pollard <laughs> today. I love that guy. That would have been Tim's like third choice of yeah. that list. Of Are you kidding me? <laughs> Never forget the fumble he caused in the AFC Championship game that sent us to a Super Bowl. Never forget. Hat on hat, legal play. Legal, um, so legal. <laughs> uh, I Antonio, to your question, I I feel like. I, I was going to go, unless I completely mis- warped the scale in my head and have it backwards, but I was going to go like a, a four or five, I guess, because I I want to just blame the Ravens defenders because it was so awful. But I think the scary thing for the Ravens long term is these Bengals skill players are legit. They're really good. They're really young. <laughs> Chase, rookie. T. Higgins, second year player. Joe Burrow second year player um and we've talked about burrow he's he, he's the inverse baker for us i think he is the guy that everyone certainly browns fans want baker mayfield to be and he's just not but <laughs> burrow, burrow burrow's got swagger he's he's got he's got the talent his arm seemingly has gotten a little stronger even like he seems like he's putting the work there and to return from his knee injury as quick as he's done um seemingly suffered no setbacks Certainly good for the Bengals, but they're going to be a problem for a long time. And I think that's, at least for me, discouraging just in the sense that, um, yes, they're hopefully, yeah, not going to have Kevon Seymour or Daryl Worley uh, on the field um, when they play the Bengals next season. But um, but those guys are still going to be a problem, assuming they're all there. And, and, that's, and that's the issue, I think, for me long term. And why I give them at least a little credit because they are so talented. But yeah, Burrow, 525 yards. That's the fourth most ever allowed uh, in an NFL game. <laughs> Not ideal. Uh, the, the the 575 yards the Ravens gave up total in this game 
uh, is the worst in franchise history. This was a historically bad performance. And um, I know it's like, it's easy to hand wave with the injuries, but that also doesn't make it not embarrassing and not, you know, doesn't hurt. I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't sting a little bit that the, the Bengals hug these, these worst uh, records on them. I mean, the Bengals, this stat stunned me. This was one I saw. The Bengals are the first team ever to have two 40-point games against the Ravens in a single season. Oh, God. Um, which obviously speaks to how good the Ravens' defense is. But this is this is as bad as the Ravens' defense has ever been. I honestly and yeah injuries is a big part but they're 32nd against the pass first against the run which makes their statistical profile very weird I don't understand that well but, nobody runs on them because they can just throw the yeah, ball you don't, need to, you don't need to you can throw you can throw for 525 yards Burrow um is the first quarterback in NFL history with multiple 400 yard passing games against one team in a single season uh so it should not stun you that with uh in two games Burrow had 941 yards against the Ravens. That's the most one quarterback's ever had against a single team in a regular season ever. Uh, it's bad. It was bad. And as we've laid out, the circumstances were right for it. So the Ravens have a little bit of a reason, you know, excuse. But it still doesn't make it, you know, not embarrassing. <laughs> it's still awful. And I, and I think still, certainly, you can't prepare for all the injuries they had this year. But there's still, I think, takeaways that's like, this defense needs improvements via the draft via free agency in the offseason for sure um because there were some you know starters that still played this game and they, they they still chuck clark was back even though you know coming off of covid but he looked bad um patrick queen looked okay but yeah like this was awful and this is about as bad as and as low as i think i've ever been on the ravens defense in my life and it's very upsetting to just have a defense you know can like literally not stop anything. And and on that too, because there's a couple points I want to follow up on that. I think you can sit here and go, well, you got to have guys coming back from injury. You never know what they're going to be like. Like Marcus Peters is an old man in NFL terms coming off an ACL and is a streaky player as it is. We're just going to assume that he's going to be the perfect number two to a Marlon Humphrey who's just going to come back and be completely fine. Like these are all assumptions we're going to have. And it, Jace, yeah. The injuries have been ridiculous, but it shows guys get hurt in the National Football League. You have to have depth behind them, and they clearly just didn't have enough. And there's an argument there that maybe you literally cannot have enough based on, um, you know, based on other positions they need to have and stuff. So the defense, yeah, I, I've, I'm sure you could go back in the three years of this show, and Jason and I have been like, this is the worst this defense has ever been, <laughs> and I think it continually gets worse. Um, I, and I'm, I'm with you. I think this is far and away the worst it's ever been. I want to say quickly, because you are dead right, the bigger point here is that the Bengals are going to be good for a while. It's a fact we need to accept. And hopefully them being good, again, gets them an indoor practice facility like a real team. Good job, guys. <laughs> or it, it gets them this air of, yeah, maybe let's not celebrate as laughing at the cars and the buses as their lead. Like, that's just ridiculous to me. But you look at, you look at the talent. Burroughs locked up for another four years. Joe Mixon locked up for another four years. Tyler Boyd, another three years. T. Higgins, another three years. Jamar Chase, obviously another five years because he'll have the option uh, to pick up because he's a first-round pick. These guys are going to be around for a long time, and as long as they can keep it together and not bungle it, which, by the way, is still a very real possibility. Let's not forget <laughs> that. They're going to be scary. And the thing that bothers me about Burrow the most, I I'll say this quickly, 
him being like, well, Wink Martindale shouldn't have said the line about, if you didn't hear, Wink was like, we're not going to give Joe a gold jacket yet when they asked about how are they going to defend Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow compared to what they did with Devontae Adams and the 17 beast package where they were doubling and tripling Adams the whole time. He basically said, Rodgers is a Hall of Famer. Devontae Adams is a Hall of, is one of the two best receivers in the league, and he's not two, was the exact quote, I believe, from Wink. We're going to be fine. I'm okay with Wink saying that. Wink also said he's not celebrating Christmas with his granddaughter till January <laughs> because, quote, she won't know the difference. I love the guy. He's, he's a human soundbite. But then Burrow going, oh, well, we did, that was, he shouldn't have said that. We kind of took that personally. I fall on both sides of the coin of this. One, shut up. It's not that big of a deal. But two, Burrow's got that Michael Jordan thing where he's going to take whatever he can to piss himself off and put a chip on his shoulder. And guys like that, as talented as that, are very, very dangerous. And we've said this, we said this multiple times. I'm going to hate, I'm going to hate hating Joe Burrow because I love Joe Burrow. LSU Joe Burrow was amazing. And then... When he skyrockets to number one, the Bengals have the pick. You just go, son of a, because this guy is going to be very good. And he has that moxie. He has that thing that you love. He has that thing that Baker pretends to have, but actually doesn't have. Instead, just sits on his toilet whining on Twitter about COVID regulations. And then throwing four picks on Christmas Day, because we can't mention that one enough. Um, Because, Antonio, by the way, that was my favorite gift, too. We'll talk about that when we get there. Um, But, yeah. Burrow has that it factor and that FU mentality that I love seeing in guys. And it's going to be a problem for the Ravens, at, you know, at least for the next five years or what have you, four or five years. I'm going to give a score to the sliding scale question. I think I would say, boy, I want to say like two, three, but that's going too far. I'll say four. I'll say, I'll say 3.5 because of the mix as we've, as we've gone over, uh, those Playmakers are good for the Bengals. And on last week's preview, I asked, I think one of the questions to go over was who was going to cover, what were the, how were the Ravens going to cover, uh, what was it, Boyd, Higgins, Chase, and Uzoma? How were they going to match up across the board? Those guys ended up with, uh, I did the quick math here, 27 catches for 440 yards. So the answer was they didn't cover them. Uh, oh, and they didn't know how. And they didn't have the personnel, and it was a mix of so many things. So I'm the the issue of you guys have both mentioned like the talent issue and needing to have more talent. The secondary was supposed to be the Ravens' position group of strength going into the season. This was their deepest position group. What more can you do besides that when you're prepping an NFL roster when you have two All Pros and then some like exciting young guys behind them like Tavon Young was supposed to be an exciting guy to to fill a second a backup role and I don't know how you fix it aside from getting aside from getting the guys healthy like you can't possibly have more cap space or picks for for this Ravens roster when you look at the secondary and the players they currently have it's there's too many guys there's too much talent and there's too much money and for those four positions so I don't think there is a way to fix it until your guys get healthier. We're just going to we're going to pray and we're going to hope that the Ravens had the best surgeon for the ACL tear for Peters and for the <laughs> pec tear for Humphrey and you know just do do all that good work uh, medical personnel and, and hope that they come back as 80% of what they were and I think the secondary is going to be fine but it's just when you're at not even third string I think at a certain point fourth string 
NFL players, even with the talent level of being a professional athlete, a first stringer versus a second stringer versus a fourth stringer, I think is immense. So I, I do, I am going to side on the, uh, I'm going to say four because it's closer to being the Ravens personnel issue than the, than the Bengals talent, but it is going to be frustrating for a long time dealing with Burrow and dealing with all the weapons that the Bengals will have for a very long time. I was looking up their draft when those players were drafted. They're all early picks. And that's the other side of this is that the Bengals have been so bad for so long (laughs) that they had really good draft picks to get these guys. Chase, obviously the first round pick. Higgins, Boyd, and Mixon, all second round picks. Uh, And then Uzoma obviously is like a lesser player, but he was a, a middle round guy. So They've just they've just drafted pretty well with getting playmakers, and maybe the Ravens could learn a little bit about that. But um, the last thing that I <laughs> hey want to Rashad talk about, Bateman, man, come on now. That's true. That's true. That's we true. just have to throw him the ball. That's our problem. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing that I want to talk about in this game, and then uh, you guys, if you have any any final notes or thoughts, please shout it out. Well, two things. First of all, Tony Jefferson led the team in tackles. He had ten tackles in this game. Tony Jefferson. He missed all of last season. He was not a football player last season. So there's that. Um, but then the last thing that I do want to talk about is there's been all this talk and all this, oh my goodness, so much hot takiness uh, about the Bengals continuing to throw the ball late, uh, the Bengals trying to make the Ravens look bad, continuing to throw the ball deep when they're up 20 with four minutes left. And I just want to say that I absolutely love it. I want it all. I want the Cincinnati Bengals specifically to take their franchise quarterback, who's already been beat up countless times through the first 20 or so games of his career, and I absolutely want them to keep having him take seven-step drops in the fourth quarter when you're up 20, holding the ball for 10 seconds, running around trying to avoid sacks, throwing the ball 40 yards downfield, and getting crunched by defenders. You just do it. You keep it up. If that's what you think is the best thing for your franchise, Cincinnati Bengals, I I don't care the score, I don't care the yardage, I don't care the fantasy points, because it is so foolish uh, for you. It is bad for you to be doing that, and so I just I hope you continue to do it with a second-year QB who's already been out for three-quarters of a season because he got hit over and over and over again and finally just broke. Um, that happened in this instance. He got sacked multiple times hard while trying to continue to throw and push the ball downfield late in the fourth quarter. He got absolutely blown up by Odafe Owe uh, on one of the deep throws that went incomplete. So Shocking that wasn't a roughing the passer call, <laughs> by the way. That, like One of the biggest surprises of the day for me. Um, but yeah, so I just think it's really wise for the most important athlete in your in your facility in your franchise and i just love it so keep it up anything else from you guys from this Bengals ravens game well i i completely agree with you antonio i i was i wasn't mad about it like as a fan i was confused by it you know i don't know if you will probably talk about a little about this game but you watch sunday night football and the dallas cowboys with a big lead pulled dak prescott in the third quarter they had such a lead they uh they threw in cooper rush to take some snaps for the entire the entire fourth quarter but yeah i don't know if the Bengals were trying to get burrow the record but i'm I'm with you i was just so confused by a team that this win effectively puts you in the driver's seat to win the afc north and 
you have the game so well in hand, there just doesn't seem to be a need to to risk injury. And like you said, he, he got sacked by Roderick Washington. Someone named Isaiah Max sacked him uh, during this late uh, sequence. So I, I was just confused by it. Um, certainly not mad. Uh, who was mad, apparently, was John Harbaugh. Oh, wait, he wasn't. But that's what Mike Florio yes, said. Yes, and this yes, is, yes. We got to get into the, this. I, this I'm, the, I'm sorry I waited so long, uh, Jace. I should have... I should have That's good hosting. This, but... Keep them listening. Keep them listening, Antonio. That's great hosting on your part. Yeah, th- this this was this Florio's perception of what occurred when Harbaugh and Zach Taylor uh, had about a five second handshake exchange, and it seemed like Harbaugh just asked a question. He seemed pretty low key. Wasn't that didn't seem mad really? But Florio said he was quite perturbed and wrote a whole article about it. Um, to, which caused me to say some snarky things on Twitter. That's not like <laughs> oh, you at all. Yeah, that's not like you at uh, all. Which I, yes, those who know me know I used to do these things far more often but uh, than I do. I don't know if it was just in the immediate aftermath of this butt-kicking by the Bengals, but uh, I, I could not help myself on this afternoon. Um, but Florio wrote just, like, a frankly awful article, just insinuating things that you can't confirm, um, <laughs> which you're not supposed to do, as you know journalists per se but um i was i was just amazed by the article uh that he said that harbaugh was very mad but he couldn't say it publicly because he didn't after the game harbaugh said uh they run our plays we run ours (laughs) was his was his response when asked about it post game today zach taylor said did harbaugh say anything he said no and then harbaugh said today in his media availability as record on monday Uh, This is via ESPN. He said, I don't know where that's coming from. I don't necessarily appreciate having to address there's a feeling out there kind of questions. I think it's kind of absurd. And and the guy driving that bus was Mike Florio. And that made me be snarky with him on Twitter, which prompted him to tell me to watch the clip after reading his article that did not include the clip that was apparently the crucial component of his article. But I digress. (laughs) Jace, Jace is not doing himself enough justice here, first of all. Yeah, we for, need the full transcript. For the, Come on. for the seven of you that listen to this, I'm sure you already follow Jace T. Evans on Twitter. But if you don't, do yourself a favor. As somebody who has unfollowed Jace because he's been annoyed at his <laughs> negativity towards the Ravens, which is, I know, completely ironic to say now that you listen to this podcast, give Jace a follow. He's the best. He quote tweeted this article that pro football talk, if you don't know Mike Florio, giant douche put on and jace goes quote i hate when i do zero reporting and people get mad at me for it because florio (laughs) basically is saying that all these people are getting mad about his article which they should be because jace mentioned it was just not journalism at all (laughs) so then obviously pro football talk mike florio has all the time in the world to just deal with the trolls on twitter he says as jace goes watch the clip and get back to me which jace responds quote Watch the clip. A guy who wrote an article about what was said privately and didn't provide a single quote. So the ep- the name of this episode, as you already know, as you listen to this, dear listener, is going to be Jace versus Mike Florio, because that's better than anything that we actually want to talk about. <laughs> I thought you were going to say watch the watch the clip. Jace was going to be the name. Watch the, name the clip. Jace. That might be it, too. That's that might be better. We'll have to figure out what gets more clicks here on, uh, on the Pod Like a Raven episode. I will say quickly. I mean, incredible stuff. I will say quickly, um, you know. Antonio, I think you're right. I love it, too, as a Ravens fan. You want to put this guy at risk who's already shred his ACL? Fine, do it. Um, For me, it's – I don't care. Like, I'm not going to whine about it. And first of all, 
if Harbaugh was really upset, and I don't think he was, if he was upset, this is the same guy who ran that final play to break the record for the most games with 100 yards rushing or whatever it is that everybody lost their mind about. If you can't stop them, you can't stop them. That is my thing throughout. If they got really mad and they wanted to embarrass the Ravens and the Ravens couldn't stop them, tough S, Ravens. Like, you have to, if they want to keep throwing the ball downfield, figure out a way to stop them, and you didn't, and that's, you know, what happened here. Although it was, I guess, sort of close late, quote-unquote, in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, I have, from either angle, I have no problem with it. And it gave us this great Twitter exchange between Jason and Mike Florio, so I'm even more for it than I was before. Well, and when you mentioned, Tim, just the, the Ravens running thing, that, that I remember Florio went on a whole thing about how John Harbaugh doesn't care about player safety or something something to that effect. I didn't really read I just remember seeing the headline. And so he's been clearly sitting on this for a while. And it's it just like, I'm sure Har, I'm, like Harbaugh probably was bad, but he didn't say he was, right? And neither did Zach Taylor. And unless you have the quote, not to go all J school on you guys, but unless you have- Shout like, out Terps. Shout out Josh Davidsberg. Yeah, de- <laughs> definitive reporting to that you and know John what Chan. was said. You're just speculating about what was said. Like- if you think he was mad, like that was essentially what his article was. He was like, I think John Harbaugh was mad. It's like, great. Do you know he was? <laughs> if you don't know what he said, it's hard to say as such. And so I got mad about that. And uh, uh, not that I get on my journalism high horse too often, but that was that, that was what I couldn't hold back. So, uh, yeah, that, that was, I think, about sums up me versus Mike Florio. It wasn't the most tense exchange in the world, but... Uh, uh, he dropped it and dropped the clip to a few uh, people, so that was clearly his his go to defense on uh, doubling down on Sunday. But yeah, uh, probably the most high profile media guy I've been in a <laughs> Twitter battle with Mike Florio. Times. Open, open invite, open invitation to come on Florio, Pod like a Raven and, and duel Jace. Explain yourself. <laughs> oh man, uh, fantastic! Really was for me, maybe for all of us, ended up being maybe the highlight of, of NFL <laughs> Sunday based on how that Ravens game actually went on the field. Uh, let's move now to the rest of the AFC North where it is been, it's the season of giving. And Thanksgiving was last month, but the giving keeps happening because no team really in the NFL, aside from two, want to go to the playoffs. And <laughs> the, the AFC North is especially giving in that way. Uh, the Browns lose on Christmas. Gave Jace the Jace and Tim the Christmas present of four Baker Mayfield interceptions. The Steelers get absolutely shellacked by the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday evening. And with that, of course, the Ravens, as of recording, hold the seventh seed in the AFC. They are in playoff contention at 8-7. and seven. Tim, I, I don't know what to think about the Dolphins-Saints game because every game in the NFL has been bananas, so... It's in New Orleans, so you know, with just with that, we may wake up Tuesday morning with the Ravens holding the seventh seed. Um, what what is happening in the AFC North? Are all these teams just bad? Even the Bengals, with all this celebrating, with all the yards, nine and six, and could still miss the playoffs entirely. They have two difficult games up and could miss the playoffs entirely. What what is going on in the AFC North? Is it? they're just really weak or is it a case of the teams beating each other up and having these mediocre records as a result? Oh, uh, it's both. I, th- I think all, I think none of these teams are amongst the elite in the NFL. Um, and the elite in the NFL is a very small group this year, as we've seen with not even injuries, but just parody 
all over the place. I mean, you, you mentioned the two games the Bengals have left. Uh, the Chiefs, who are still fighting for that number one position. And, uh, yeah, as we've mentioned before, are fully back. I'll let Chase talk about uh, the, the end of Big Ben's run as we get, as it limps towards the finish line here. And then the Browns uh, in Cleveland. And the Browns have already kicked the crap out of the Bengals this year and kind of owned them, too, in a weird way. So I don't... I think it's a lot of teams that are at sort of the same level. And because of that, that's what you get. You get these guys just beating against each other. And this division is awesome. Like it really is. These, none of these teams, I don't, there's, and and, and again, this could be purple tinted glasses that I kind of go through in my head, the other divisions in football, but it feels like every single one of these teams really dislikes every other one of these teams, like all four games or whatever it is, all the combinations uh, are really, really a lot of animosity and a lot of hate, hatred in a sports sense. And I think that plays a factor in that. I mean, again, Burrow clearly wanted to beat the brakes off of the Ravens because of a small comment that was made by Wink Martindale. Like, all that stuff kind of happens. And, um, yeah, I just want to share a quick story. Uh, I was watching the Browns-Packers game on Christmas, and... Um, Again, it was the best Christmas gift we could have gotten. <laughs> Christmas is a time to to celebrate a little bit. There might have been one or two uh, cocktails being had throughout the day, starting in the morning with some Baileys and the coffee. Let's let's just say what it was from the start. It's Christmas morning. I well, mean, you gotta treat yourself. <laughs> oh, and I tr- treated myself. I did. So we do a, a small thing at the Horsey household. We only had um my, my dad, one of my dad's friends, came over, and then my aunt and uncle, who don't really watch sports but are subjected to it every year when they come over for Christmas. Uh, and they do, but not, they're not you know, insane. Like, like I am. And I'll just put it that way. And we're in the dining room eating Christmas dinner. And I find the seat that is easy enough where I can. And I, I, for Thanksgiving dinner, it's always the same, the same seat where I can watch the game out the, out the dining room door into the family room. And I can see the TV. So Baker Mayfield, um, you know, noted all-star quarterback, according to every media member that you listen to. I guess not anymore. Everybody's kind of turned on him and rightly so. Throws his fourth interception of of the day, basically sealing the fate of a team that, a Browns team that could have beaten a Packers team that just doesn't want to put people away, which is, uh, you know, a bit infuriating when you're vehemently cheering for them against the Cleveland Browns. I got up. And out of pure reaction in the middle of dinner, uh, everybody's kind of the dinner's slowing down a little bit. We're all talking and sharing Christmas memories and being so cheerful. I jump up and go, F you, Baker. And uh, after the fourth pick and my uncle and aunt had no idea what was going on. My dad knew exactly what was going on and basically <laughs> glared at me to, you know, maybe sit down and calm down just a little bit. But I couldn't. I was too excited at Baker Mayfield giving us the best Christmas gift of all. And that's just being Baker Mayfield, which is bad at football. It was it was so good, Tim, because I, too, I was worried. I was like, they're going to drive down. They're going to get this. Nick Chubb was an awesome game. He's so good. And they couldn't stop. The The Packers really didn't have much answers for Nick Chubb in this game. Um, but they put the ball in Baker's hands, and he served up his a second interception of the day to Rasul Douglas. Uh, and and it, it, it killed him. I mean, they had a chance. That was what? It was third and ten, I believe. But... Like, they're close to midfield. They're only down two points at the time. They could have, the Browns, as you said, could have won this game even with all his first half mistakes. And all three of his interceptions in the first half, Aaron Rodgers turned into touchdowns, including the one that um, broke Brett Favre's uh, all-time Packers touchdown record. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, the Packers weren't especially impressive in this game. They they preyed on Baker's mistakes, and then he served up the final interception, and that was what did him in. It was it's just a glorious a glorious end, and you know I, I was working when it happened, but it gave us just great content for the evening. Uh, a quote like Baker Mayfield, I hurt this team. I love to read that. That cheered me up. Uh, it was so good. As for the Steelers, yeah, this. I mean, they could still, you know, beat the Ravens in the season finale. It looks like they're hurtling towards something like 8-8-1, eight, eight, and one, which would yeah. be... Quickly, very... Jason, they could still win the AFC North also at the same time. <laughs> yeah, they're they're a strange team. I think to Tim's point, what he said, like, I, I think the parity in the AFC North, which I read something, I, I don't know the exact stat, but it was like, one, this has been one of the closest division races, like in terms of every team being within a game of first. Um entering this week like since the 70s or something it's been a long time since we've had a division race that uh this competitive top to bottom and i think i think it's what uh tim had touched on it's just a lot of talented teams at some like the Bengals. i think have the most talent uh certainly on offense the browns should be more talented than they are but we've talked about them they're held back by their quarterback <laughs> which has undone them in several games this season lest we forget they could have beaten the chiefs and baker threw a last minute pick they probably should have beat the cardinals and baker couldn't get it done in a late drive there or not the cardinals the uh, chargers excuse me um but uh and then you what as we talk about every week, the Ravens' problems are well documented on the show. <laughs> and then the Steelers, uh, Mike Tomlin's a phenomenal coach, and their defense can be good at times, but has been weirdly bad at other times. There's, they've been w- just wildly inconsistent. And same thing, like, Roethlisberger is clearly, I, you know, there's been reports this is his last season, and it's hard not to think otherwise when you look at, at, at what he did uh against the, the the Chiefs on Sunday, which was basically nothing. I mean, they, they looked just so incompetent. He was 23 for 35 for 159 yards, 4.5 yards per completion for Ben Roethlisberger. Like, they, they just do nothing down, deep down the field. He can't throw. The Chiefs were just all over them on defense. I mean, this was a 30 to nothing at one point. It was just, an, it was just a laugher from start to finish. Um, and... and you know, we've talked about it. The Chiefs, I think, are closing in on the one seed. The Super Bowl, at least I think they're clearly the best AFC team after what we saw this weekend. Maybe the Bills. But the Chiefs had the inside track to the one seed in the bye. Uh, they didn't even have Travis Kelsey for this game. Tyreek Hill only caught two passes. It didn't matter. Mahomes was making awesome plays. Um and and it was just it was a it was just a lap like it was just a non competitive game basically from the start. Like Roethlisberger threw just an awful interception on a flea flicker where he looked like he panicked honestly with the ball, which is just stunning for a guy who we seen have so much poise. And I think that just speaks to to his career winding down. So yeah, the, it's a weird it's a weird division as we said. The Ravens lost and actually moved up in the playoff standings thanks to mainly their division rivals losing, and then also I'm sure we'll touch on it the Chargers losing, which was a strange game. But uh, but uh, but yeah, it, I I don't know how the AFC North is going to play out. I think they're 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 four talented teams, but four teams that are also flawed in their own ways. Like we talked about with. Joe Burrow throwing passes with up 20 late. I don't know that Zach Taylor is a good coach. Like, I don't really know that he's the reason they're succeeding. Um, uh, we just don't have enough evidence with him yet because he has two awful seasons, and then this season they're, they're doing pretty well. So it's hard to say. I think it's just 
so like it's talented teams with each with glaring issues and it's gonna come right down to week eight uh, week nine week 18 week 19 how many weeks are there this season week 18 um so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be weird it's gonna be something chase the, the point about roethlisberger i mean it's well documented that in the last seasons plural he has been getting rid of the ball quicker than he ever has in his career but it's just baffling his whole career was built off of extending the play and adding, making it seem like there was more time with the ball than there should have been. Like a, a, a three-second window just becomes four to five. And now the three-second window becomes one because he just snap, find a dude, ball out. And it's, it. look, I mean, obviously we have the, I mean, hatred with the Steelers, but it's a fun rivalry. And it's like, it is sad to see the panic on the flea flicker was the perfect encapsulation of what his, his last few years have been. Had a wide open receiver and not really a ton of pressure, but it was just get the ball and just flip. He didn't even really get a good grip on it. Just like no, shuffle like, pass it yeah, out. It was like flicked it with like his fingertips. It was oh, very man. odd. And turned what, yeah, what should have been like a net positive play into a turnover, but I'm still not counting them out. They should be worse <laughs> than their record is because that's the Tomlin way. They're never going to have a losing season. So it is going to be a mess, let's say, uh, with these last two weeks. Um, we're going to talk about the rest of the NFL and, and games that you guys watch, but I want to pause now because I did the old clicking around uh, the ESPN playoff machine, and it is one of the more fun things that I enjoy. Um Every time we get to the the quarter, the the fourth quarter, let's say of the NFL season, and I did some clicking around to figure out where the Ravens were playoff wise with this loss, and based on all these other AFC, AFC North teams, you guys both mentioned at the top, uh, you know, to to sort of give up the ship here. It's okay that the season's over. Uh, it's okay to look towards draft picks and toward the next season when players are healthy. But, you know, guys, why not both? Why can't we have both things? Uh, I enjoy the Ravens being in the playoffs, even if they're the worst team in the playoffs. At this point, they're not drafting in the top 10. They're, they're probably not even drafting in the top 15, right? So we're arguing between picks like 18 and 24. I, yeah, I mean, I, I'd rather get blown out in the playoffs than get, like, pick 18 or something like that, pick 17. So I want both things to happen. So I clicked around and I tried to find realistic scenarios, not optimistic scenarios, dare I say, but realistic scenarios of Ravens going to the postseason after this loss. And and there is there is one. And I'm expecting, I'm including the Rams, excuse me, the Ravens losing to the Rams in this scenario because I'm a realist, guys. We've been saying this for years now. Um, and by some miracle, <laughs> if the Ravens lose to the Rams and beat the Steelers in week 18. Thank you, Chase. And finish <laughs> 9 and 8. They can still go to the playoffs as the 7th seed if the following things happen. I'm going to lay this out. It is a few steps, but it's I mean kind of chalk. Like none of these things are would be super super upsets. So, the Ravens lose to the Rams, beat the Steelers, finish 9 and 8. They will clinch the 7th seed if the Dolphins lose, and I'm, I'm penciling the Dolphins in with a win uh, against the Saints here. If the Dolphins lose to both the Titans 
and the Patriots. They will likely be underdogs in both of those games. So the Dolphins have to lose to the Titans and the Patriots. The Chargers, who have no interest in going to the playoffs, as seen this past weekend, have to lose to either the Broncos or the Raiders. Just one of those two teams. And then the Browns have to lose to either the Steelers or the Bengals. That's it. Full stop, and Ravens will be the seventh seed. You cannot convince me that the Browns are going to take care of business and win both of those AFC North games to get a playoff spot. You cannot convince me that the Dolphins are going to upset either the Titans or the Patriots. And you cannot convince me that the Chargers, even more than the Browns, are going to take care of business and win out their Bronco and Raiders games. It just seems possible. Uh, and so I say to you guys, and feel free to, uh, you know, to, to push back on me here, why not both? Why not look ahead and also try to get into the, try to get into the dance. Just try to get in and then maybe try to get something, uh, something feisty from Lamar Jackson. Antonio, I love this because... I have been looking ahead. I may have been look. I may look at a mock draft every few days. But <laughs> you laying out the scenario has enlightened me to the fact that the Ravens getting the seventh seed probably means probably that the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns don't make the playoffs, and that warms my heart more than anything the Ravens can do on draft night in April. Um, and and I love that, and I want it now. I I want I want. An awful Ravens team, even if they get blown out against, uh, who would they probably play, the Bills or the Titans? Titans or Bills, probably. Oh, God. In the, in the first round. Um, even if they lose that game, uh, it means that the Steelers fans and Browns fans have to sit on their couch and watch the Ravens in the playoffs while their team's at home. And I love that. So let's do it. I say, why not? I'm sitting here like Hawkeye in Avengers Endgame, looking at Black Widow, just saying, don't give me hope. Just <laughs> stop. Don't do this. I don't want this. This I, I have moved on emotionally from this season, and you all are going to drag me right back into this because... Tim, and that's with a loss to the Rams. With a loss. Yeah, but it's the Steelers on week 18. Like, what are we talking about here? I don't... I just... Um... <sighs> the problem is, and what I see here... And let's lay this out again because, you know, we have it. Antonio does a great job laying this out for us, and we can see it as we look at it. Dolphins have to lose one of Titans, who, by the way, have a crap load of guys on the COVID list that was announced on Monday, so that's a problem. One of Titans or Patriots. Chargers lose one no, of... No, no, Bron- Tim, Tim, let me jump. I'm sorry, I have to jump in there. The Dolphins, to get... I'm going to be real. I'm trying to be real. The Dolphins have to lose both of those games, not just one. Oh, Oh, well, then the I'm Dolphins out. No, it's fine. have to lose versus the Titans and against the Patriots. Assuming, no... that, they, assuming that they win in New Orleans uh, as, you know, as we record this, which is something that we still have to look at as well. Um, but I will, I will push back slightly, Antonio, on the notion that the differences between picks 18 and 24 don't matter because I think it does. I think there's been plenty of guys that we've, you know – Oh, he's so close, and he goes like two picks before, and uh, I'd have to pull up the list of if those guys are successes or not. But I trust Eric DaCosta and his staff to make a very good pick, and the more chances that they have to get players that are impact players um, a bit higher up the board. All that being said, I completely agree with you. If I'm picking one, uh, you know, gun to my head, I'm picking playoffs, please, especially with the notion of 
Cleveland and Pittsburgh sitting there, but completely selfishly. And this is this is the final point here because I still don't think it's going to happen. Even as easily as you've laid this out, I I don't know if they can win another game. We don't even know if Lamar Jackson's going to be playing. Like it's mum has been the word on our MVP quarterback. So who knows what the deal is there with Lamar? And if if there's other information out there, I'd be happy to hear it. Um, that weekend, that wild card weekend is two days before my 30th birthday. And there's enough existential dread going on in my own head about turning 30. I don't know if I want to watch the Ravens get blown out in the wild card while trying to just celebrate the final days of, of my 20s. I don't know if I well, want you might, that. You might even get to do it on a Monday night, Tim, because don't forget there's a wild card game on a Monday this year. I don't, I don't, I just, <laughs> no, well. I'm that would good. Be, t- I'm Tim good. sometimes has off days after Ravens games. This would be like an off week. For Tim, if it was a bad oh, that Monday has already been taken loss. off, and the Tuesday might have to be too if the Ravens play. Yeah, absolutely. I am clicking around. So the the thing, it's so hard. I as you were mentioning, Tim, the Dolphins winning one or losing both, and I was clicking through, and it, there are scenarios where the Dolphins, if they lose one of those two, the Ravens are in the postseason. There's just so many differences <laughs> based on tiebreakers and the sec that extra seventh seed. So there is a scenario. I just want to recap because I'm trying to be, you know. We're talking about Big J journalism here. Uh, I want to be honest that there is a scenario where the Dolphins only have to lose one of those final two games and the Ravens will still take the seventh seed. So there's so many things. I don't like looking ahead, but I like looking ahead because it's fun sometimes. But it's just, I, you know, I, I like having both things. If this was a scenario where, if it were like, like the NBA draft lottery, where like if they didn't get a playoff spot, would they have any percentage of chance of getting like a top five or a top 10 pick? I would say, yes, I'd rather not make it as the worst team in the playoffs and have a chance for a high pick, but it's just not there. And I, I don't know. I, I, you know, listeners, give us, tell us your thoughts. I'd be curious about this. Would you rather get blown out in a playoff game or get the like higher draft pick by like three or four picks? I don't know. The, The excitement about playoff football is, uh, is real. I, I very much enjoy it. And I think Lamar Jackson in the playoffs, anything could happen in a season that has been absolutely bananas and no team seemingly has been dominant for, for the entire stretch of the season. Um, guys, what, any, what about the NFL? Would you like to go over the chargers losing to the Texans because they don't want to go to the playoffs. The, the well, bills kind of opened up this whole conversation yeah. is yeah. like, that's why the Ravens are in seventh as the chargers blew this game stunning uh one of the most stunning results of this season i know the chargers had a ton of guys on the COVID list but i, I, I never in my wildest dreams could what i imagined justin herbert who was not one of the chargers missing goes into houston and they just got thoroughly outplayed rex burkhead ran all over him for a career high day it was very strange uh simone biles boyfriend had an interception and a fumble recovery <laughs> there was just a lot going on uh yeah, so that was the most stunning, I think, result of the day, and one I had to watch the highlights of, because it was going on the same time the Ravens were playing, and it just left me going, what? <laughs> I was very, it was very weird. It was very confusing, and yeah, the reason why the Ravens uh, woke up in the seventh seed uh, on Monday was basically this loss, com- obviously, and combined with the Steelers losing as well. Yeah, just quickly, I mean, the only other two I think we need to mention is uh, going back to Christmas Day as well. Another game that I was so excited to watch so much of, but then the alcohol got me and I ended up falling asleep. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts 
are good. And the Arizona Cardinals, man, bet all your money on them in September and just stop after that. Or maybe at like mid-October, just quit it. Kyler Murray looks like a shell of himself. We might get another injury excuse. Cliff Kingsbury is, you know, the mimbo we all thought he was, I think, at this point. And <laughs> I just don't I don't know what goes on with this Arizona team where, and I think this is part of the reason, even when they were seven, maybe it was eight and no even towards I can't remember how what they uh, seven and oh. Seven and oh. the last seven and oh team. Nobody believed in them, and I think everybody's being validated for that. The Colts, I mean, Carson Wentz made enough plays, and Jonathan Taylor had another 100 yards rushing, and, man, that team, the, the style of football they play, that team is dangerous. The only other one I want to mention, um, and I'm sorry, Chris Maine, but what in the world was that from the Washington football team? This – Oh, they could be a scrappy playoff team, what have you. That was an embarrassment of epic proportions. Um, The people now bouncing back on this Dallas hype train thing doesn't make any sense to me either because we all, everybody's like, well, nobody had them as a Super Bowl contender. We all literally had them as a Super Bowl contender four weeks into the season. Then they kind of stuttered a little bit, and now they're back to being a Super Bowl contender now because they're the Cowboys. I don't understand that, but dropping 56 on your rival on Sunday Night Football Holy crap. Poor poor Washington fans, you know, play the tape again. Poor Washington fans, I feel bad for you. Dan Snyder stinks. But uh, that was just, even with the, like, just a- absolute gap in quality, that scoreline still just, you know, kind of shocked me, to be honest. Yeah, that match, the uh, Cowboys had 42 points at halftime. I believe it was 42 to 14 at the half. But that tied the most points they've ever had in the first half. It matched a record going back 52 years for them. So, yeah, it was a historic beatdown. You had Duran uh, or, or uh, Jonathan Allen attempting to punch Duran Payne on the sideline as well for Washington during this game. Um, not good. Not good. And, uh, Antonio, I think one game maybe you wanted to mention, I kind of interrupted you going on my Chargers, or, uh, Chargers rant, but... Uh, the Patriots Bills game that was that was another kind of big one, and that uh, change uh, resulted in the the AFC East lead changing hands, and was uh, just a money performance by Josh Allen. He was awesome in that game, and uh, so that was probably the other the other I think real big game uh, of the day certainly, and another one I didn't watch a lot of live as I was. As I said, watching snap to snap of the Ravens losing by 22 in the Bengals while, while the Bills and Patriots were playing a legitimately great uh, late season playoff, uh, playoff type atmosphere. Like the fans were really good in Foxborough, but the Bills just went on the road and had an awesome, awesome performance. That, that was really impressive from them. And, you know, I think has put a lot of people kind of focusing on them again as maybe a team that can maybe beat the Chiefs in the AFC. The uh, I appreciate you guys bringing up the Sunday night game because in my pick of the lock of the year last week in the three team tees or last week pick of the year with the three team tees the last thing that I was waiting on was that Cowboys game and I needed them to uh, to cover I think the line was like four and a half to to complete <laughs> the the teaser of my you know absolute lock. And that was pretty much decided, but like six minutes into that game. So it was nice, uh, a very relaxing, you know, bet yeah. implication game to be to be watching. Once Taylor Heineke threw a pick six to a defensive lineman, you were like, I'm feeling okay about things. I was feeling, <laughs> feeling much more comfortable. And then the last thing that I want to talk about in the NFL, and this is just, 
boy. Well done, CBS. And I'm I'm mocking here. I'm not being serious. Uh, I was watching. I'm in the DC area, whatever that market is. And at a certain point in the Steelers Chiefs game, it was such a blowout. So let me. So it's it's Steelers Chiefs. They go to commercial. They come back from commercial and say, because Steelers Chiefs is such a blowout, we're going to take you out to the Raiders game. That's much more interesting. They went back to commercial a second time. (laughs) Then they came back to the Raiders game, where the Raiders had already converted a first down and were now kneeling the ball to end the game, to run out the clock. (laughs) So the game then ended after three kneel downs. They went back to commercial. And then they came back to the Chiefs game to to finish that one out. So just fantastic. Just take my money, take my attention, throw ads in my face. Just fantastic programming by uh, the biggest television network in America. So good job, CBS, by handling that. And that's how, that's how I want to finish the NFL section. I was so annoyed at such a small... I opened the window. I started yelling out at the neighbors. I was so annoyed by such a small thing about how to handle these kind of things. But... Anyway, that's the end of the NFL <laughs> recap, and it's time for the Random Raven. And Jace, you are up this week. I do want to give a little shout-out for last week's Random Raven. We asked if anybody knew Duran Jenkins, and Joseph Siegel reached out to us with, you know, hand up, honor code, that he did know who that Random Raven was. So well done, Joseph. And I think he, he mentioned in his message to us that he was 35 and under, or under 35, so... I don't know how you know Deron Jenkins, but but well done in that, because I, I certainly had no memories of him as a 30-year-old. But uh, with that, Jace, who is the random, or what are the clues for the random Raven this week? Yeah, so I don't know that this is the hardest one. I gave you hard clues, but then a very easy clue as a bonus if you need it. Um, clue number one. This player was selected by the Ravens in the fourth round of the 2002 NFL Draft. He was the Ravens' third selection in that draft behind Hall of Famer Ed Reed and former random Raven Anthony Weaver. Uh, Clue number three. This player spent four seasons in Baltimore, appearing in 61 games, before departing in free agency to Cleveland, where he replaced the same player he had replaced in Baltimore. (laughs) That's an awesome clue. A fun little stat. Uh... And uh, clue four, after four years in Cleveland, this player spent four more years with the Cardinals before his NFL career came to a close. And he, clue number five, he was the first player in Ravens history to wear the number Josh Johnson wore on Sunday. So, clue for you if you were paying attention to (laughs) This guy hasn't been done yet? No, unless I missed him. I don't think so. Interesting. Okay. Um, Antonio, do you have any idea here? Because I think I know who it is. I mean, awkward silence. I give me a few minutes, I guess, but that I, I have, I have so so little. There's no context. I don't. What what, what did this player do? What, what did he well, provide? That's uh, that'll that's the that's for the bonus clip, if, uh, which I can read if you need it. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll save that. We'll save it. I'm going to take a second because I have to, you know, like reset my brain to old NFL number rules, not what it currently is, where that could be any number of positions uh, on any <laughs> team. But that, yeah, that's a great great choice there by Jace. We will have him answer that at the end of the show. But for now, 
there's another football game to be played, guys. The season continues uh, with the Ravens currently on a four-game losing streak. No weeks off. Ravens at the bank playing the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are pretty good. Uh, They're favored in this game in Baltimore, which is fairly rare. At the moment, it's three and a half. The Rams are three and a half point favorites in this game. Don't really know who's coming back. Don't really know who the starting quarterback is. So my first question to my co-hosts, who, who's going to be the starting quarterback? No, who can win this game? If Lamar is healthy and starts, can Lamar win this game? If he is not, and Huntley has to be the replacement and fill in again, is Huntley capable of beating this Rams team with those defensive playmakers based on what the Ravens have defensively at the moment? So it's sort of, it's sort of like a... Uh, we don't expect the Ravens to win, but under what circumstances can they? Is that do you have confidence if Lamar is healthy? Is Huntley? Have we seen enough from him in the last few weeks where he could win a game at home? Uh, how are how are your feelings based on the current quarterback situation? And, and well, and as you mentioned, I think more importantly, the defensive situation. Uh, you know, this comes from Jeff Zarebeck. Uh Players that were put on the reserve COVID list as of Monday. Tyler Huntley, Jalen Moore, Josh Oliver, David Sharp, Justin Houston, Chris Board, Christian Welch, Justin Matabuke, Chris Westry, Kevin Tolliver, Geno Stone, and Tony Jefferson, who after having 10 tackles randomly got tested, <laughs> tested positive for COVID. He is vaccinated, so he might have a chance to come back. This is a, oh, if you didn't see this news on Monday, 106 NFL players went on the reserve COVID-19 list on Monday. They all tested positive, including 96 positive tests from Monday, the most uh, another record high in NFL history of these last, you know, two COVID years. So it's a crapshoot who's going to be playing this game. I think if it if it's if it represents anything, if the defense represents anything like it did against the Bengals, even with a couple guys coming back, but still, you know, I, I hate frankly, I'm only picking on him because he's the only one I really remember his name, Kevon Seymour. And those guys playing a lot of minutes on the outside. Um, you need Lamar Jackson. I don't think you can do it with Huntley because I don't think you're going to be able to keep keep it close. Um, the only other thing I'll say before we get to picks, because I don't, you know, with all this uncertainty, I don't know how much of a deep dive preview we can do. The Rams haven't beaten anybody in a while. He says, you know, kind of half believing it. Early, week two, they beat the Colts. Week three, they beat the Buccaneers and basically their Super Bowl. Um, but outside of that, their wins at Seahawks, at Giants, versus Lions, at Texans, versus Jaguars, at Cardinals recently, versus Seahawks, at Vikings. They're not <laughs> taking down the, the big teams. And this Vikings game, the game last week that we didn't mention because obviously we're going to do a little bit here, Matt Stafford threw three picks and they should have lost that game. So I think this team might be able to be got at if if this if you get this malaise that you get from the Los Angeles Rams, I guess is the word, or the team that just doesn't, doesn't show up on the offensive side of the football. That being said, defensive side, you got to deal with Jalen Ramsey and uh, Aaron Donald. So that's fun. Can't wait to see them in person. That's going to be, you know, if this game gets to a blowout early, I'm just going to take it as, you know what? I'm an, I'm a football fan watching great football guys do some football stuff in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Cause they are that fun to watch, but I think they need Lamar. If they have Lamar, there might be a chance here. 
Yeah, I think you need a healthy Lamar because exactly what you said. They might rush for negative yards, like with if if Lamar's not there because of Aaron Donald. <laughs> like yeah. he, he's just going to pose such a problem. And the Ravens' line wasn't like absolutely awful against the Bengals. They weren't great. Like Trey Hendrickson caused them some problems, but like I, it, it, he Aaron Donald has overpowered far better lines than what the Ravens are trying to get out there. And so that's a huge concern for me. And I think that's why you need a healthy Lamar, which I'm not positive. Like, I think, so I mentioned this in our show notes. Um, like, are we positive? Do we think Lamar actually does play? Because John Harbaugh said they'll hopefully have both Lamar and Ty- back from injury and Tyler Huntley back from the COVID list. But Lamar hasn't practiced since he suffered this ankle injury. That's been two weeks basically now of zero practice. Um, and that leads me to believe he's far more hurt than they let on yeah. initially. Um, well, yeah, well, the Jace quickly, the, the issue they sort of were their bluff got called with the Huntley COVID test because then, of course, your next thought is, well, they'll maybe push Lamar if he's close to playing, then he has to play in this Bengals game. And they went not even close. Kenji Bahar is going to be the backup of the, in this yeah. game. Lamar, Lamar even, don't even travel. <laughs> not even flying to Cincinnati. So that is what, yeah, you're absolutely right in that. I don't think he was close to playing in any of these last few games because this would have been an opportunity by necessity where he would have at least dressed and been the second or third quarterback. Didn't even go to Cincinnati. Yeah, so that concerns me. So I don't know. I, I do think his injury is probably worse than they let on. I mean, they initially called it like a sprain in the media, I think. But, like, there's been some NFL Network reporting that, and I think Schefter reported it too. Like, it's like more of a, almost like a bone bruise of some kind, um, which I guess is a sprain. I don't know. I'm no doctor. But uh, um, I do think he's more hurt. And to beat the Rams, I think you do need a healthy Lamar. Because as Tim said, Stafford has had some weird games this year. I mean, he threw three interceptions against the Vikings and some awful ones. Like, Anthony Barr had two. Like, basically just, like, dro- like linebacker kind of dropping into pseudo-coverage and deflecting balls and picking them off. And, and Stafford did a similar – I forget which game it was, but he did a similar thing against another team uh, where he threw a bunch of weird interceptions. So, he, he could be slappy with the ball, but, but to, I think, Tim, you also said, Cooper Cup leads the NFL in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns currently – um, and, and as we talked about, I, aside from that one ball, T Higgins, like got between two defenders, he got between Stevens and Seymour. Um, there was no one close to almost any of the, like the coverage we talked about, like they weren't even making like contested plays really. Like it was like just guys streaking wide open across the field. And I just see Cooper cup doing that all game. And yes, and I don't think. Unless it's a healthy Lamar, the Ravens are going to be able to match suit offensively. And just real quickly, if he doesn't do it, and I think he will, because um, I want to read you those stats in a second because they are absolutely absurd. Odell Beckham Jr. is playing well, which is incredibly annoying, yeah. but he is playing well. We should acknowledge that. They have a guy that can just do stuff for them if, if we can limit Cooper Cup, who, by the way, in 15 games, listen to this, 132 catches on 177 targets, 1,734 yards, and 14 touchdowns from a wide receiver in 15 games. Um, he might have th- legitimately 300 yards receiving in this game if they can't contain him. I, I looked up uh, Flipper Anderson back in the 80s. He still has the record for mo- the most receiving yards in a game. I was 336. And I looked it up because I am curious if it's possible Cooper Cup can break that record <laughs> in this game. It'll certainly 
Uh, if you're not a Ravens fan, that'll be uh, one of the things to watch in this matchup, I think. Flipper Anderson, uh, one of the best records in the NFL, and also one of the best names in the NFL. <laughs> Flipper Anderson catching Anderson catching passes. Yeah. Uh, oh, boy. It's just, I just look at make both the sides pick. of the ball. Make the pick. Make the pick. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wrong about the Ravens pretty much all season. And this comes off of, in my opinion, I, I from memory, I'd have to go back and do the research. I've been pretty good with Ravens picks the two seasons prior to this one. Uh, but it has been a disaster for me all season. I pick them and they, and they lose. I don't pick them and they cover or win. So what the hell, you know, the line is three and a half. It's at home and it's, I got the biggest asterisk you've ever seen. If Lamar Jackson is healthy enough to play in this game, and I don't think he will play if he's a little banged up, Huntley will be off the COVID list. I'm sure they'll throw Huntley out there. If Lamar Jackson is somehow healthy enough to play, I'm just too intrigued by that extra half point at home. And maybe Lamar does some spicy stuff. I think the Rams, I mean, they're not frauds. They're a good team. They're a playoff team. They're going to win their division, likely, but... They don't have the big wins. I complain about Matt Stafford to anyone who will listen to me. When we did the two-man booth a couple of weeks ago, I sort of brought up my favorite, one of my favorite stats in the NFL, and that is Matt Stafford's 12-year career against above 500 teams, and it's just horrendous uh, at the time. I haven't updated it, but at the time, this would have been three or four weeks ago, he was 9-72. and 72. <laughs> against teams with a winning record. And of those nine wins, like three of them were on the road. He does not beat winning teams on the road. It's going to be loud. It's going to be frosty. It's going to be at 1 p.m. It was moved from 4.30 to 1, so it's going to be an early morning, whatever, quote-unquote game for the Rams, even though they've apparently been very successful at that uh, in other situations this season. But there's just something about this team that whenever things look fantastic, it goes the other way. Whenever things look like a disaster, they flip back the other way. They ha- they will get a couple of the defenders back from the COVID list. Probably not all of them for whatever reason, but some guys will end up coming back. Enough players to keep it a close enough game if Lamar Jackson plays to where this ends up being like a late cover uh, and the Ravens lose by three uh, instead of three and a half or something like that. But I'm taking the Ravens plus three and a half with Lamar, if anybody else, with Huntley, with with Josh Johnson, with Kenji Bahar, uh, Kenji. I'm going to flip it and, I, and I'll be taking the, the Rams at minus three and a half. So that's my pick there. Anything else from this game, guys? And then give your uh, your Ravens pick as well. Uh, I got nothing. I am not as confident as you, even if Lamar is healthy. Uh, and tell you, I, I, I have to I have to go with the Rams in this spot. Minus 3.5. It seems almost too low for me for a team that like I imagine that line will move more in the Rams direction. If we find out like midweek or later in the week that Lamar isn't playing, I'm sure those lines will get jacked. But I, even though Stafford can have weird games um, against good teams, and I do think it, it'll be a strong environment. The Ravens have been pretty good at home all year. Um, even uh, aside from the Bengals, they haven't been blown out at home. Uh, um, but it's just too much for me. I, I, I got to go with the Rams minus three and a half. Here's uh, one thing I want to add to this. 
why is the line only three and a half? And this is where I <laughs> have concerns. Shouldn't this line be like five or six today? It, it and that's, what's, out that's to what me. has my attention. <laughs> Yeah, it does make you wonder what does Vegas know because I, I'm with you, Antonio. I, I was stunned it was actually uh, only three and a half, especially with the Rams like been playing well lately and are leading the NFC West now. And so this game matters a lot for them, obviously. Um, but yeah, I still have to go with them just because they at, at present they're just in such a better shape than the Ravens are. Yeah, I'm um, I'm with you. It's it's Rams minus three and a half. I, I wish I wish it was anything if it was if it was seven i might be a little more tempted but i, I looked up at the website that, that we usually look for our lines and went uh okay yeah i'm definitely taking ramps here um uh, just real quickly uh, before you guys give your other picks i'll give mine as well um the one time i went raven's money line i didn't need the points it doesn't matter they get blown out <laughs> uh we don't have to talk about the other games i wasn't i didn't do too great um i this week there's a couple that intrigue me. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start with Dallas, and this is a this is a classic. Dallas looks good. Everybody loves Dallas, and then Dallas is gonna poop the bed scenario. So I don't love it too too much. You should probably zig this zag. But I'm going Dallas minus five and a half at, at home to Arizona. I think these problems with the Arizona Cardinals are non-fixable things, even though they've made the playoffs. So give me Dallas minus five and a half at home. They're uh, obviously Dallas is still fighting for something. A slight chance at the one seed, most likely, uh, maybe even the two seed with a bunch of teams that are 11 and four right now in the NFC. And then uh, Kansas City minus five away to Cincinnati. I think in this call it a revenge pick, call it a spiteful pick, call it what you will. The Bengals lost to the Jets after beating us, and they lost to the they got blown out by the Browns. I think a couple weeks uh, after beating us, I can't remember the exact timeline. They are up and down as it gets, and the Kansas City Chiefs are rolling right now, and they want that one seed. They want everybody to come to Arrowhead. Um, I mean, if you haven't seen the quote, Andy Reid is already delivering the best the best quotes. He goes, I love the way this team fights for each other the way I love a nice prime rib. Andy's in prime form. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is like 26-1 and one in the months of December and January or something stupid like that. Kansas City minus five away to Cincy. They blow the doors off of Joe Burrow and company. And then just one to watch. Just one to watch. Yes, Ben Roethlisberger stinks now. Yes, the, pa- the Steelers are going nowhere. But it's Monday night football against Cleveland, and it's most likely Ben Roethlisberger's final game at Heinz Field. That place is going to be jumping, and there is no way they are going to lose to the Cleveland Browns in Ben's final home game at Heinz Field. And you're getting the plus three with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are the underdogs in that one. I couldn't love that one anymore, even if this team stinks. Pittsburgh plus three at home to Cleveland. I might make it an official pick by the time we leave the air here, because I, I, the more I talk about it, the more I love it. Um, but that one, I'm sorry. Ben against Baker in his final game at Heinz. Renegade goes like every quarter they're going to be doing that stuff. The towels are going to be flying i hate all of it but i think it helps them and i think they win that game outright uh i put it i jotted that down tim as a a bonus pick i don't love to pick the monday night games because we record on mondays but i think that's almost a lock i i don't see a world in which the browns beat the steelers (laughs) next week uh especially you know you laid it out so good but steelers plus like three-point underdogs at home sign me up with mike tomlin as their coach especially against the browns they're the browns they're gonna browns it up but so that was a bonus for me i also um went with uh the cowboys for similar reasons you mentioned minus 5.5 um 
you know, I don't think they solved all their problems in blowing out the Washington football team, but uh, I think the Cardinals are in real trouble. This is like two years in a row now. They're collapsing in the second half of the season. They don't have DeAndre Hopkins. Um, it, it's just they they seem in a really bad place, and they don't have a ton of answers, and the Cowboys seem to be playing um, or at least got a little on track and I think are going to, you know, try to make – this is the week they can try to push for – that number one seed in case you know the Packers uh fall but the Packers will not fall because that's my final pick I, I didn't know what to do uh I, I like the idea of the Chiefs but they could get, get weird on the road sometimes um but they should have Travis Kelsey back so I think that's a good argument for for them to uh Tim but I, I I went with my guy I went with Aaron Rodgers minus 6.5 against the Minnesota Vikings at home on Sunday night football at Lambeau Field um you know, the Vikings did beat the Packers earlier this season. It was one of their uh, three losses uh, and only one of only two with Rodgers under center. But I, I just, it, it seems like the Packers, even though they haven't exactly been playing fantastic lately, this seems like a spot for them to kind of put the hammer down and would go a huge step to them locking up, um, you know, the number one overall seed. And I, I think they're going to be locked in. Um, Matt LaFleur is a great coach. He's the first coach in NFL history to win at least 12 games in each of his first three seasons. I think they're going to be ready to play. Rogers has been playing fantastically and more so. I think the Vikings are kind of stumbling to the finish here. They, they seem to be sort of on their last legs. We talked about this maybe being the end of the Zimmer era. And I think they could kind of, the Packers could kind of bury them in this spot. So the final pick Packers minus six and a half at home on Sunday night football. All right, we have some some similar stuff here, and so for the listener, we do our picks separately. We don't really see what the other uh, other co-hosts have picked, and, and I have some similar stuff here, aside from the Ravens pick, of course. Um, I was two and one last week, lock of the year, covered it. Feels good to get that one uh, out of the way, and with that, I have another tease, and I'm doing a lot of the same games that you guys have mentioned. I'm just I'm always afraid of those lines of games that look too good so I, I tend to tease them to get off of the line a little bit so i am teasing three teams 100 dollars bet wins you 160 bucks and it's the colts i'm teasing them down to minus one against the raiders the colts have won six of their last seven they're at home they're rolling they got the running game uh their quarterback doesn't look like he's like lost in a new city he's actually putting some <laughs> some things together so I like the Colts at minus one to take care of business, basically, against the Raiders. Then the Chiefs, I have them in this tease. I'm teasing them to plus one against the Cincinnati Bengals. That feels pretty strong. And then the Cowboys, I'm teasing them. That'll, that line will move to plus half a point against the Cardinals. So that's my three-team tease. And then I'm also separately taking the Philadelphia Eagles at minus three and a half at the Washington football team. This is another... It just looks like two teams trending in opposite directions. Uh, the Eagles have won five of their last six. They've scored 33, 27, and 34 in their last three games. And as the Eagles are currently built, I don't think they can put up that many points uh, in their last five. And this includes two wins and then three straight losses. In their last five games, the football team has scored 17, 17, 20, 17 14 that just it feels like that's right about what their output can be uh and i think the eagles just end up outscoring them and they end up covering this by by seven to ten points so i'm taking the eagles minus three and a half the last thing to do here jace can you go through those random raven clues one more time 
Yes, sir. Um, and I'll add a few, I, some, some more context in throughout, and then I'll give a, just a final bonus clue here. Uh, this player was selected by the Ravens in the fourth round of the 2002 NFL Draft. He was the Ravens' third selection in that draft, behind Hall of Famer Ed Reed, taken in the first round, and former random Raven Anthony Weaver. Clue number three, this player spent four seasons in Baltimore, appearing in 61 games, before departing in free agency to Cleveland, where he replaced the same player he had replaced in Baltimore, that player being Kyle Richardson. After four years in Cleveland, this player spent four years with the Cardinals before his NFL career came to a close. And then uh, clue number five, he was the first player in Ravens history to wear the number Josh Johnson wore on Sunday, which was the number 15, formerly occupied by Hollywood Brown until this season. And then the bonus clue, if Kyle Richardson didn't uh, tip you off, this player was the Ravens putter before Sam Cook took the reins in 2006. <laughs> so I'll let Tim answer this, but I do feel a little bit better. Uh, I, I did figure out the number, and I actually th- the, I thought for a second maybe it is the guess would be Kyle Richardson. It was one of the names that I, I thought of. Uh, I did, however, while reviewing that, come up with a name, but Tim, you absolutely had it before me, so if you want to take this one, go for it. This random raven is Dave Zastadil. Oh, it is. Dave wow. Punter Dave Zastadil. Uh, we drafted a punter in the fourth round? Stunned me. <laughs> I was blown away when I when I looked at their draft. It, the 2002 draft, by the way, has been a boon for Random Raven. I think we picked like four of the guys from that. Draft. By the way, Antonio, you're stunned. Just wait till we get the San Diego State kid in the first round this year. It's happening, baby. It's happening. <laughs> oh, there were so many things that I would have thought Cook was like already the punter in like 2003 <laughs> or four or something like that. That was why I hesitated. But yeah. Wow, fourth round. That must have gone over well in, yeah, in the draft. Yeah, these are like one of those things I'd love to go back and like to live in that era if there was the internet. Because I probably had no idea that Zastadil, like until looking this up, that he was a fourth round pick. <laughs> I bet Bill Cower was enraged that the Ravens had spent a fourth round pick on a punter as opposed to seventh or nothing. Uh yeah, that is a fantastic random Raven, Jace. And the fact that it was a punter and still like somebody who was difficult to <laughs> to, to come up with is, a, is a, a fantastic choice anything else guys you know christmas week new year's is coming up new year's resolutions uh for the ravens to to get a win for lamar's ankle to heal uh, anything else from you guys before we uh, sign out here it's a long season antonio i can't believe there's still two more weeks taking us into mid-january nfl is truly the ultimate slog these days the war of attrition and, uh, you know, hopefully the, the, the Ravens can win at least one more battle uh, before that war is over. But we shall see, I guess. We will be back next week, hopefully, to preview what is going to be a just bonkers final week of the NFL season with probably half the team still eligible <laughs> for a playoff spot. And maybe that will be the Ravens uh, heading into the final week for Jace Evans and Tim Horsey. I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you so much for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.